Hello, my lovelies. Welcome to the very first episode of Dear Prince William. I have a whole bunch of series been doing about Dear Prince Harry, but this one is addressed. It's actually a letter, an audio letter to William podcast. Um, this song was written um, around the time, I believe, or just much after. Oh, it came out in the 1960s. So it wasn't, you know, for very long after when Edward VIII abdicated the throne. It's entitled Love Alone, and uh, Belfonte is singing it. And it's uh, a very beautiful song. And um, yeah, but the original artist is uh, the Caresser. And it's from the Calypso Pioneers, Volume 1, from 1912 to 1947. Edward, um... And you all know the story about Edward VIII, right? You know that the romanticized version. Oh, he vindicated the throne for twice divorcee Wallace Simpson, and she was American. And unfortunately, as you know, history gets um, changed so much because of media, because of the anti-people out there. That's the word, the, the part of history about Edward VIII we know. And it's actually not the real story why Edward VIII had vindicated the throne. And unfortunately, people don't want to research and learn the truth. Shocker, right? So, uh, just to give a, a quick um, summary, Edward VIII wrote this beautiful autobiography, and I actually I bought it used um, in, in in Fife, Scotland, actually. And um, it's a, a very good, very good uh, book. It's called The Memoirs of the Duke of Windsor. And it's his own account of his royal upbringing, his education, his military service, his ascent to the throne, and his decision to abdicate for the love of Wallace Simpson. And so, um, anyways, I, I I bought it in, in Fife, Scotland. I was actually visiting a University of St. Andrews. Yes, William and Kate were there. No, I did not know they were there at the time because social media wasn't it then what it is today. I was literally visiting a friend of mine who was attending that university. They were in an inter- international relations program. And I thought about attending there, but there was, for some reason, a long wait list. I couldn't figure out why. And so, anyways, while I was staying at a uh, my friend's place there, while my friend was at school, you know, attending classes, I there was a used bookshop in the, not far from, it was, uh, yeah, near the restaurants, and I remember, so I bought, it was near a place that had scones. Oh, my gosh, the best scones in the world was at, uh, on the campus at St. Andrews, just like, you know, it was like, right, you know, we come into the entrance of the university, and by the way, what's really exciting about St. Andrews University, not because Wills and Kate went there, because so many famous people throughout history went there. In fact, my Scottish ancestors all attended university there before they came to the States in the colonial era, which is kind of cool knowing that because they were uh, from the uh, Henderson clan, the Bruce Henderson clan. And I did research. It wasn't like, oh, you know, because it's a common surname. It is a common surname because it's a clan. And by the way, Henderson's not even Scottish. It's Viking from my understanding. It's Hendricks, I believe, originally, but it became Henderson. And so a lot of my ancestors had attended there. And some were very famous, which is really cool knowing that. Um, anyway, I digress on that. So if you read the story, what I love about the, the book he wrote, it was published in 1947. So it was, you know, several years after he had dedicated to the throne. It was for him to give his story without whining. And if you read it, it's one of my favorite books I've ever purchase and I love history and I'm always finding rare books but this one told me a different story about him versus what the media had said now why am I bringing this book up well because we know Harry's book spare is coming out right 
And this, in my opinion, is all about money talks. He whined. He's, you know, dividing his family, causing so much unneeded stress, so much unneeded stress with his mates who have been loyal to him. Now I'm talking about mates like Pelly and Skippy, Mark Tomlinson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. People I used to know when I was part of the inner polo circle. And I call it the inner circle, it's polo circle, because it was polo era of the summer of 2004. And if you listen to my other long-winded podcasts, I talk about when I did know them. So layers upon layers. And, you know, my story, when I talk about my story, it's more of self-discovery because I grew up in a sheltered life. I had no idea that William and Harry played at the certain polo club. I wasn't a follower, still not. You know, I think I admire them and I met them over the years and I think they're very lovely. You know, I will say with my conversations with William, he's very intelligent, very funny. And when I remember when we first chatted, I said, oh, I work in Parliament. He was actually excited to hear about it, but his mates. Oh, but Parliament, oh, you're boring. You're educated, you're boring. But when I said, oh, I used to model, they're like, oh, really? Lovely. That's where my hello, my lovelies come from. One of the members of the inner circle used to go, lovely. And that's where I kind of, you know, imitate aunt because I looked up to him. I thought he was a very lovely person, but I found that funny. And so, um, but anyways, the reason why this podcast is a continuation is because um, I posted last night, and this is, you know, uh, about, I guess, Harry and Meghan. They got an award for combating racism and et cetera, et cetera. And people paid a million dollars to go in for them. And I'm, I'm sure other people got awards. I didn't really follow the whole story. All I could think was, what has Harry and Meghan done to combat racism? They brought to public a hearsay story, whether it's true or not. You know, it, it, that's not combating racism. And we don't know if the situation from Megan, because I don't think Harry heard it firsthand. Again, we'll know more about this, you know, Netflix thing coming up. But we will, don't know about, you know, if it was really a racism thing, if Harry heard it. And it's possible, speculation, right, that Megan heard something, something was said to her, that she took offense to that because she is very, you know, and you know people like that, that very... Uh, argumentative, very quickly argumentative. I have friends like that. It really annoys me, especially on social media. They just want to argue. And because I'm in a Melungeon, my culture is a Melungeon. It's an actual thing if you're Appalachian. Not many people know about us because no one cares. Everything is black and white in this world. But no one cares about individualized cultures. We don't talk about Native Americans. In fact, all of November is Native American month. What have we done for that? Nothing. We focus on Harry and Meghan. We focus on racism. But what about us Native Americans? No one cares. Well, my favorite with Native Americans, oh, get a DNA test. Oh, nothing shows up. You don't have DNA blood. It's, it's, it's a lie. And FYI about DNA tests, if your family goes back to 1600s and they're from a tribe that no longer exists today, because a lot of them don't, there's no, there's, no, um, there's no sample of that DNA. It's all in your DNA as it is. It's thinned out. I have six tribes on one side of the family that's documented. And by the way, just to let you know a little bit of history about that. Not Native Americans had to get Christianized names. So they would get married into. In fact, my Native American side were uh, written in the 16 and 1700s as mulattoes. And you think of mulatto, you think it's black and white. No, mulatto means anyone who's a combination that looks darker. We were Native American and British. When my family left Barbados and came to Virginia, Virginia would not accept mulattoes because uh, you're nothing. You're a waste of space. And if you had Native American ancestry, it's part of history you don't learn, you had to wear a gold star. Yes, like the Jewish, like in the Holocaust. This goes back to Middle Ages, 
when a pope made a declaration, if you're Muslim or Jewish, you had to wear a gold star. You could not even get a university education. So you would change your, Christianize your name. Jews would convert so they could get the university education. Part of history. But a lot of the people that were mulattoes went down south to the Carolinas and they became plantation owners. And in fact, another historical thing you don't learn in school because schools like to dumb down everything. And this is proven fact. Look at old records. By the time you went to the Civil War, only 1% of the white folks owned slaves. Slavery, most African-American population were slave owners, right? Native Americans were slave owners. Mulattoes were slave owners. Historically speaking, I don't want you to get, oh, you're upset because I use a word. My family is considered that. We were written the word mulattoes up until the 1920s. And because of our Native American side, we went to Appalachia, uh, gosh, right after the War of 1812. And my family still owns the land in Kentucky in the Appalachian culture. But you know what? Up until really the last 30 years, we had to deny our Native American side. So when I went to England, I dyed my hair blonde so I would fit in because in my mind, that's what we were taught. We have to deny what we are because of culture. Now today, no one cares. But this is how it was for a lot of people. And anyone in Appalachian culture knows you could not say you're Native American. You could not, you had to deny that. You could be any other combination, but Native American, any other combination with it was a bad thing. And if you were a Melungeon, a Melungeon was a derogatory term. It was a very bad term. So the Appalachian culture turned that bad term into something positive. So when William and met me, William and Harry met me, they didn't realize I'm mixed race. They didn't realize I'm Melungeon. I don't fit in. I don't look mixed race because I went blonde. My hair is actually black. And I have light olive skin. My eyes look Native American. I have the almond-shaped eyes. You And you wouldn't know today because the average person goes, oh my God, you're Caucasian. How dare you say you're mixed? I am mixed. On one side of the family, six Native American tribes. The other side of the family, about, I think, three to four. I'm still determining that because they there was no records on the other side of the family, on my mom's side. Because that side came to Virginia. It came on the same boat as my grandfather's side of the family. So my grandmoms, they um, went through Virginia. And because there was no records, because they were mixed-raced. You were not accepted in society. And FYI for another history lesson, baptism records are crap for historical purposes because you only get a baptism record if you could afford it. And if you look at the baptism records in the colonial era, it talks about all the mixed race people got baptized. But once the law was passed by the chiefs, it wasn't by a Caucasian man, it was by the Indian chiefs. And I hate to say it, indigenous tribes chiefs, I should say that better. And it's in document in the court documents in the 1600s. They did not want uh, other races marrying in or shacking up with their the tribal people because they're not pure blood anymore. But we go back in history in this woke society. This is all, um, all the white people fault. No, it's not. Look at history. Read about it. It's very. It actually is very offensive to different cultures because they're being forgotten about. Also, did you know there's a huge Turkish population in colonial era? Just let you know there was. A lot of Asians were in California and they populated there, even in even going back to the Middle Ages, go to China. A lot of explorers. So, anyways, I know I love history, so I probably could make a whole podcast about it. And I know some people are going in rage. Oh my gosh. So that's my whole you know, going back to what I was saying. So Harry, you know, and, and Megan won this award, and I commented on Twitter, I said more people were more deserving for this award than Harry and Megan. So these Harryites are like bullying me because that's what social media does. They don't want to hear opinions, they don't want to hear anything apart from the truth. What have other people done? Harry and Meghan have done a lot of things. Have you gone to the Archville page? I said, yes. Again, what have they done? Wine? Sure. They have, I mean, Meghan does have a podcast. It, 
I've, I've listened to it. It's, it's pretty good. I've commented on it. I was very, very positive about her podcast. However, and I mean, however, um, that's her thing. Where's Harry's? What's Harry's voice apart from whining? Apart from all this, you know, Netflix people, whoever it was, the producers, giving all this money. And if Harry was not married to Meghan, Harry would have denied it, whether he's part of the firm or not. That's the difference. Megan is a strong voice. Harry's always been a weak voice person. I mean, to be honest, even when I was part of the political circle, some of his mates were bad-mouthing him. And I stuck up for him and I didn't even know Harry because I'm a sensitive person. I don't like people bad-mouthing people. It's not okay. But, you know, they were just, but it wasn't bad. It was just, well, it kind of was. I mean, they were saying, a couple of people were saying, you know, Harry can't make his own decision. Everyone's doing everything for him. And one of the members of the group was admitting they take advantage of his kindness. Well, in the Appalachian culture, guess what? People take advantage of our kindness. It's very easy, right? Because we're too nice. We're friendly. If you came to our house, we open up and even though a lot of the Appalachian people are, are poor, we give lots of food to you. We want to make sure you're happy. We're loving. We're nurturing. We're caring. That's the culture that nobody reads about. No one writes about it. What's well, written about? But you, no one really, it's not a knowledge because the world's become black and white so much that we forget about other people. So this has been my, you know, just thoughts in my mind, you know, what to do, you know, with my podcast and stuff like this. So the dear Prince William thing is, William, my point is, this war needs to stop. Stop putting crap in the media. Harry, stop putting crap in the media. Go private. But the problem is nobody's talking because Harry and Meghan have, have given a wedge. I think that if they talked privately, maybe they had been. I don't know. Because I could tell you, if you go through the private secretary, William's private secretary is not going to give to William, oh, by the way, such and such, you know, this is going on. Like, William doesn't hear everything. I know that for a fact. And when Harry's private secretary, Harry's private secretary didn't tell Harry everything. I'm, well, Edlane Fox, I can tell you. And, that, and I mean, that man's amazing. Even though, But that's their job. They only tell what they need to know. If you're a celebrity or you are a, a president or a prime minister, of course William and Harry will hear everything. But if you're an average person, no one's going to speak up. They're not going to listen. So, and that's why people go to the media. That's why they make these claims. That's why it's going on. So obviously there's more than the than we know. But I think that, you know, I just hope that they, the brothers stop this war. And I hope it, you know, they work out in the end because it's not okay. And as far as combating racism, as you know, my whole rant about history, I do think more people were deserving of the award. I think we all can agree. Because Harry and Meghan really haven't done much for a million dollars of a freaking ticket. I'm sorry. I've done a hell of a lot more than Megan and Harry behind closed doors. I think you have done more, but because we're not important, we're not going to get noticed. How many people have gone on social media and been fighting, you know, racism? A lot of people have, but we're not getting recognized. We don't get any dang awards because these awards are all freaking celebrity stuff. It's just for PR. That's all it is. It's all smoke and mirrors. And it's, it's getting to the point where I think it's a waste of money to give. It should win an award, but not for a million bucks a pop. That's ridiculous. And I think that it's going to get worse between um, William and Harry after the uh, Netflix. I hope I'm wrong, but I think after this, the, the awards, and I think after the book and after the uh, Netflix, I think it's going to get worse. I don't think it's, well, we know it's not going to be the same, but I don't think it's going to be the same after that. I think it's good Harry's getting his voice out, but it could have been done a different way. Just like my story when I was sexually harassed and sexually assaulted the summer 2004, I've given layers, but I'm never going to publicly admit who it was. Because one, it's a long time ago. And two, I'm sending my story to William himself to read. And, you know, to hopefully have a video conference with him. And say, hey, you know, we need to talk about this. That's what I'm doing. Because I don't need to publicly say, 
well, this person did this. I can be cryptic about it. And that's all I do. But I'm not going to say because some things just need to be privacy, right? All right, my lovelies. I hope you're having a lovely day today. And I, like I said, if you go and read the book, uh, it's called, uh, well, it's called, um, it's by Philip Ziegler. I'm sorry. Yeah, he, he wrote his own story, Edward VIII. This one's called King Han- Edward VIII by Philip Ziegler. It's a blue book. But, you know, it's it's well done. And it, it I like the way he did it. I think if Harry had waited a few years and did his memoir like that, I think it'd be more respect, honestly. It'd be, it's less whining. It's literally... And by the way, Edward VIII was so educated. The reason why he was hated, and I'll do a whole podcast about this, but the reason why he was hated was because he was educated. In the, you know, during the war, uh, World War One, I, I believe, he went to the poorer regions of England and got his hands dirty, which you're not supposed to do because the royal families are not allowed to get involved in politics. But he's like, F it all. This is my kingdom. I don't care, politics or not. These people need help. We need to get our hands dirty. We need to take more notice about this instead of all these rich people taking advantage of the average person. And that's what was going on. And that, that's why it was so political. It wasn't just about Mary Wallace Simpson. That was a scapegoat. And if he had been king, he would have done a marvelous job. And I know you always say, oh, but he you know, was with Hitler and this, that. That was a political thing. If you know the full story behind it, he didn't want to meet Hitler. He had no intention of meeting him. There's always more than what the media portrays because the media only sells just to make money they don't care about the truth so i will make a whole podcast about that in the future because i love history and um oh my gosh i can't believe it 17 minutes my long winded i've got to go work i have to do my audio stories i gotta do my audio poetry guess i'm doing audio poetry now too and um i gotta do some writing all right my lovelies have a lovely day goodbye